This is Chris Zosler with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Amgad Macarius, Chairman of the Department of Cardiology at Nassau University Medical Center and Professor at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra and Northwell Health. Dr. Macarius, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for including me. Doctor, could you please introduce, introduce yourself rather and tell us a bit about your background? Sure, thank you, Chris. Uh, my name, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, Amgad Macarius. And again, I'm delighted to be on the Becker's uh, podcast. I'm uh, actually a clinical and cardiac imaging cardiologist here in New York. I've been practicing in the field of cardiology for uh, over 15 years now since completing fellowship. Presently, I'm the chair of the Department of Cardiology at Nassau University Medical Center and have been in this role for the, about the past 12 years. We are also affiliated with the Northwell Health System, which is actually uh, New York's largest uh, healthcare provider with over 12,000 affiliated physicians um, and many, many hospitals and facilities of, uh, of which Nassau University Medical Center is an affiliate. Uh, I also serve as a professor of cardiology at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell. Just a little bit of background on me. I did grow up in New York. Uh, I completed my medical school training at the State University of New York Downstate Medical Center in Brooklyn, uh, where I had uh, great training over there and got to see a lot and do a lot. Uh, then I went on to internal medicine residency as well as cardiovascular fellowship at North Shore University Hospital. Uh, out here on Long Island, uh, New York. Um, but then I went to Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center and I did a, a cardiac imaging fellowship. So I do have all those credentials uh, today. I'm very active in the cardiology field with the National Cardiology Societies. And uh, I have authored uh, over 200 peer-reviewed research papers and book chapters in cardiology. And my research interests, just to end out with my background, uh, include the ideal application an equitable integration of cardiovascular imaging into the appropriate diagnosis and management of patients with and at risk for cardiovascular disease. Thank you so much for that, doctor. And thank you again for lending us your time and insights today. To get started here, so from your perspective, what are the top three issues in cardiology today? So that's a, a great uh, question. And, uh, you know, when, when I think about cardiology, cardiology, as you know, is a, is a great and expanding field. And there's always large trials and, and large outcome studies going on. And the first thing that comes to mind for me, especially since you know the primary hospital that I work at is actually a safety net hospital, which takes care of over 260,000 patients a year with over 67,000 uh, emergency department visits, uh, Nassau University Medical Center, we care for a lot of patients who might be under or uninsured. Uh, so to me, one of the top uh, I guess, three issues in cardiology today is actual equitable access to the great things uh, and the great treatments and therapies that we have in cardiology. And one of the biggest, um, you know, issues for patients um, is uh, issues relating to social determinants of health. And this is one of the things that I stress to uh, our, you know, fellows, students, uh, um, residents uh, in training is, you know, you can be the, the best physician around and prescribe, you know, the, the uh, cutting edge uh, medications, cutting edge techniques for treatment, but unless the patient can access those treatments, uh, they, they, you know, everything that you do is going to be, you know, for naught and, and it's not going to really improve the patient. So, you know, one, one of the big issues that I always stress is social determinants of health. And that has to do with 
you know, a patient's access in their environment to quality food, uh, water, air, uh, whether or not they're able to uh, access their medications, um, uh, housing, all of the things that we, you know, think about in our daily or maybe take for granted sometimes in our daily lives, we have to think about in our patients. Uh, in fact, there was a, one study that came out that said probably 80 to 90 percent of a person's health are related to social determinants of health. So this is a big part of uh, what I stress and I think a major area, probably not only in cardiology, but in medicine uh, in general. Um, a second thing that sort of this leads me to is the idea of prevention. Um, just recently, actually this morning in, in one of these emails that we get from a lot of the cardiology societies, there was this um, uh, statistic that I came across that even as of November of 2023, the American Heart Association did a survey where still more than half of Americans, 51% of Americans still don't know that cardiovascular disease is the number one killer, despite it being so for the past century or so in the US. So that, that to me is, is, is relatively shocking and, and actually concerning. Because as you know, in, you know, in cardiology, we're very good to treat a patient once they present with a heart attack or a stroke or anything of that sort. But I make it my duty, and I stress this again in, in teaching and in training, that prevention is really a major part of what we need to be doing. And prevention from everything relating to all of the contributors to cardiovascular disease, like for example, hypertension, diabetes, and of course the, the classic ones that we all know about, sedentary lifestyle, obesity. It's shocking to me that the obesity numbers keep growing, obesity and overweight. Right now, I think uh, it's about 38 to 40% of the worldwide population is obese, and they expect this to go above 50% over the next 10 years. So all of this is, is, is very important, and these are all the things that we look at. Another sort of contributor to prevention, or something that we need to keep in mind, with, which we've done a little bit of research on, has to do with mental health. I think this is one of these overlooked things. Uh, and when I say mental health, I mean depression, anxiety, loneliness. All of these things contribute to your cardiovascular health. And unless we pay attention to them, sleep, your sleep hygiene is also another big uh, factor. So all of these things I try to stress, you know, when I see patients on a daily basis, I try to stress all of this to them, that my job is not just to take care of you when you come to the hospital, but my job is to keep you out of the hospital by helping you prevent the development of cardiovascular disease. And then just to round it out, the third issue that sort of comes to mind or, or I think is very important is... Um, everybody knows about artificial intelligence, and uh, obviously there are drawbacks and worries about artificial intelligence, but I firmly believe that as a medical practitioner and as a cardiologist, artificial intelligence can actually help us in our daily activities, and they can do so by maybe lessening the time-consuming tasks that we have to take care of, but at the same time, then freeing us up to spend more face-to-face -face time with our patients where we can actually deliver a humanistic approach to medical care. So those are the three, you know, top things that I think are, uh, you know, uh, big issues in cardiology and and in medicine and the medical field overall. Thank you, doctor. I know you covered a ton of ground there, and very important ground, certainly. Uh, next thing I wanted to ask you is just how you see heart care evolving. In particular, you mentioned the social dis determinants of health. So if you have any examples of how uh, your health system is addressing those. Uh, please let us know. 
exactly. So that that uh, social determinants of health, uh, as we mentioned, are the daily factors in a patient's li uh, life, which can either hinder, which a lot of the times they do, or uh, make it easier for them to access care, to follow treatment guidelines and things like that. So one, one, of, one of the evolving things that I think are very important is this idea of personalized medicine. So our health system is very big about, you know, social, social work, making sure a patient uh, will be able to access their medications. As I mentioned to you, we do take care of a, a fair amount of patients who are underinsured. Um, and it's the type of thing where uh, as simple as what what's other people take for granted, which is being able to pick up you know, your medication from your local neighborhood CVS, there might not be, for example, a CVS accessible to a particular patient. So we'll actually go ahead and make sure to set up a transitions of care uh, operation where we'll be able to either get the medications for the patient before they leave the hospital through our, um, you know, our hospital uh, pharmacy, or we'll make sure that the patient will be able to get the medication on the outside making sure they have the uh, appropriate insurance coverage or, or being able to pay for it. There are a lot of uh, reduced um, cost uh, prescription programs out there. The other thing is, you know, just paying attention to, you know, healthy lifestyles. Uh, as you know, a lot of areas are called uh, what we call food deserts, which means there's lack of available healthy options for uh, food. And what we'll try to do is try to point out to patients that, you know, listen, it might not be so good to go to the fast food restaurant down the road, maybe you try to drive for another you know, mile or so and try to go to a more healthy um, option. And uh, you know, everything from, from all of those things I think are very important. Uh, and I think this is an evolving area. And the more the medical uh, field pays attention to this, the better outcomes we are gonna obtain in the treatment and care of our patients. Thank you for outlining that, Doctor. And looking a little bit more into the future, so this two-part question, what are you excited about right now and what makes you nervous? So my excitement has to do with, again, AI that I mentioned already and the whole idea of all these great technological advancements. So I call this gadgets, um, and this can be anything from telemedicine, uh, allowing us to reach the patient uh, in their place uh, without them having to come to the hospital, to the idea of remote monitoring and evaluation of the plethora of uh, patient wearables that uh, a lot of patients now have access to. I, I, I will mention to you that, I, that uh, very few patients these days don't have either some kind of smartwatch or some kind of fitness tracker which allows them to track their heart rate. Some of them will actually give you pulse oximetry, which is the oxygenation. So I think these are great advancements that we need to be able to harness uh, the details and the idea of all of these. And the other thing that excites me is, and this is really the reason why I went into cardiology, cardiology is one of these areas where there are always large multi-center randomized trials looking at how we can improve our treatments, our uh, devices, how we deliver care to patients. And uh, this is really why I went into cardiology because I am I always like to see that we're progressing the field. And, and again, that's I think a, a duty of the medical, uh, you know, medical professionals is to always try to figure out better ways of treating our patients. In fact, we're going to be at the American College of Cardiology meeting in Atlanta coming up um, in April, and we, we have some of our own research that we're presenting. Uh, so we're very excited. And of course, there's going to be a lot of other cutting edge trials coming out over there. 
So a lot of excitement going on, but with the same time, I think you mentioned uh, some of the nervousness or the concerns that I might have, and they they sort of relate to what I mentioned in terms of the excitement. Uh, I know we talk about AI, we talk about all these patient wearables. I think data security and privacy issues are very important because as we all know, um, you know, uh, issues of data compromise and, and things like that are really out there. And more and more of the cardiology societies, because there's all these wearables, but in fact, there's also implantable devices that transmit data. So making sure that these are secure and our data is going to where it needs to go, as opposed to leaking somewhere else is very important. That gives me a little bit of concern as well as the fact that, again, the lack of knowledge of importance of prevention of cardiovascular disease out there, I think is striking, even though it's everywhere. And, and also the equitable access to this care also uh, uh, concerns me a little bit because uh, it's, it's really prevalent out there. Cardiology is very prevalent. We have an aging society. And unless the knowledge and the foresight to know that this is a major issue is out there, then these patients won't reach the care that they need. Combine that with what I think is also another concern that I have is the workforce crisis in cardiology. Um, there, there was a statistic that I came across. The American Association of Medical Colleges predicts that there's gonna be a shortage of 124,000 physicians by 2034. And in cardiology, this is very true as well, because as you know, as patients age, cardiological disorders tend to uh, manifest and present. And again, another stat is that 25% of cardiologists are actually 60 years or older. And as you can imagine, a lot of these are gonna be nearing their retirement age. And we also know that less and less, um, you know, the trainees in medical schools and residency programs are going into cardiology. So there's really gonna be a lot of work on, on our hands going forward. And we need to address this by really focusing on medical schools, getting more and more people interested even before medical school in the medical field and the real uh, importance uh, of the need of it and, and also the, the real um, um, pleasure of being part of the uh, medical field, I think is, uh, is very important. And we have to work on, on these types of things, which give me a little, a little bit of concern as well. Doctor, thank you for being so generous with your time and insights today. We cannot wait to share them with our audience, and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you so much for including me in the Becker's uh, podcast. I really appreciate it. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.